I'm Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa Simone, And this is Taxes for the Masses. Today's episode is on the 2023 Republican tax proposal called the Fair Tax Act. In January 2023, certain House Republicans were guaranteed House consideration of the Fair Tax Act in return for giving their votes to Representative Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. The Fair Tax Act would enact what it describes as a 23% federal sales tax on nearly all purchases of new goods and services. In this episode, we discuss how a national sales tax would work and the distributional effects it would have on American households. Hello, Lisa. Hello, B. Today, we're talking about the Fair Tax Act, which in a nutshell is a national sales tax that would replace all federal income and payroll taxes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it, for lack of a better word, an interesting proposal. You know what? I'm just going to call it a proposal. It's a proposal. That some House Republicans pushed right onto the center stage in their deal to elect Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House after an embarrassing, I stopped counting how many votes. Yeah. I don't remember how many it was, but embarrassing is the correct Embarrassing. So I'm just, I'm not going to put an adjective in front of the proposal. I am going to put embarrassing in front of Kevin McCarthy's uh, Speaker of the House debacle. Fair. Um, So fun fact, did you know that the idea for this proposal has actually been around for a really long time? It was actually first concocted in the early 90s by the Church of Scientology. Okay, I knew this was not the first time it had been proposed. I did not know that it had anything to do with the Church of Scientology. Please explain. Yeah, so um, some prominent Scientologists developed the proposal as a way of abolishing the IRS and revenge for the IRS's hesitance to recognize Scientology as a legitimate church. I like how whenever we're mad at the IRS, we just want to have a sales tax. So do you, do, do you see the connection? Why, did, why do they care whether the IRS thinks they're a church or not? Well, as we've discussed in our season of giving episodes, whether the IRS considered Scientology to be a church or not would have a tax implication for the organization. Yes. So glad we did those episodes. I love it when a plan comes together. Yep. Anywho, the IRS eventually gave up and granted the organization church status, but um, that didn't kill the idea. It did not. I would say far from it. Mm-hmm. The idea of a national sales tax was first introduced into Congress in 1999 and has been introduced in each Congress since. The most recent iteration being termed the Fair Tax Act. So let's start with that name. Mm -hmm. We love to talk about names of tax acts here Mm -hmm. on our podcast. Um, It's called the Fair Tax Act, but everything I've heard about it so far makes it sound like it's not fair. It actually makes it sound regressive. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you remember when Obi-Wan tells Luke that Darth Vader betrayed and murdered Luke's father. And as we find out at the end of Empire, that's not exactly how most people would describe what transpired. Uh, yay, more Star Wars references. Yay, indeed. Woo-hoo. Um, but this is one that even I know. So mm-hmm. Darth Vater in German translates to Darth Father. Yes, it does. The one thing about Star Wars, even you know. I, I, it's my gift to you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. But as Obi-Wan later explains, there is some truth to his version of events from a certain point of view. You said a certain point of view. What do you mean by a certain point of view? Ob, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. 
right? So I, uh, I get the feeling that we're enacting some sort of scene here, but I don't actually know what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. Not afraid. Mm, you will be. You will be. All right, totally lost and moving on. Um, as we said, the Fair Tax Act is just a national sales tax. The proposal would enact a nearly 30% sales tax on over 90% of purchases. Hold up just a second there, young Padawan. Um, the bill says it's a 23% tax, but you just said 30%. Explain yourself. Um, is young Padawan some sort of Star Wars insult? No, it's it's a young Jedi in training. It's, oh. it's a, yeah, I'm mentoring you here. It's it's not an insult. It's a positive thing. Good. Okay. Excellent. I'm being mentored in the ways of Star Wars. Excellent. The force right. is strong with my family. Very good. Um, so the idea is that the national sales tax is supposed to replace the income tax. And so to keep everything simple for our tiny brains, we should talk about it in the same term that we talk about income taxes. Okay. All right. So let's say your income is $100. If the tax rate is 23%, you pay $23 of tax and are left with $77. Easy peasy, right? Agreed. All right. But if instead you spend that $100 in total on an item and that $100 total includes the sales price and the sales tax, so your total out-of-pocket expense is $100. Okay. You clocking? Yeah. Then the apples to apples comparison would be to say that the sales price was $77. Your tax is $23. That $23 tax is on $100 of income that you just spent, making it a 23% rate. Okay, and don't get me wrong here because I could see the benefit of comparing an income tax and a sales tax in this way. And I can also acknowledge that, you know, in Europe, you look at a price of something and it's going to tell you the $100 tax inclusive price. It's not going to do what we do here in the U.S. and give you the price before tax. But the fact is, that's what we do here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. We have sales taxes in the U.S. We all pay sales taxes at some point. And if the sales price is 77, you end up paying 23 in tax on top of that, we would call that a sales tax rate of nearly 30%. Uh, yeah. And so you're being generous and you said that the benefit is comparing it to an income tax in those terms. I think the benefit is it makes the rate seem smaller. Yes. Yes, it does. So let's just go ahead and call it what it is, which is a 30% sales tax. Sound good? S sounds good to me. So as you said, it's estimated that the sales tax will apply to over 90% of all purchases. But there are some things that are excluded, including used goods, tuition, retirement savings, and mortgage interest. Some notable things that would be taxed include housing, regardless of whether you rent or buy. And that's a little confusing because what counts as a new home versus a used home doesn't seem super straightforward and will likely need to be addressed in the law, yep. given how extensive renovations can be. Yep. I think generally it's safe to say that that used versus new thing is going to create a big fat, not only gray area, but an area for um, shenanigans mm -hmm. on the part of taxpayers. And that'll lead to some regulations on the part of the enforcer. Um, so thanks for that lovely segue into the question of who is going to be the enforcer of this national sales tax. Mm -hmm. And supporters of the idea say that because so many states already administer and enforce their own sales taxes, Congress can just ask them to also administer a national sales tax and just abolish the IRS. And what's more, we're going to pay them a big juicy 0.25% of the revenue collected to help offset their increased administrative costs. 
And in theory, this could, I guess, work. Could. Um, at least for the 45 states in D.C. that actually do impose a sales tax. But that leaves five states that don't. Correct. And so in those states, we would need either some other state to administer the tax, which seems kind of dumb, mm. or we would need the U.S. Treasury to do it. Mm-hmm. We'd also need Treasury to administer taxes on certain items a state might exempt from their own sales tax and refuse to administer a national sales tax on. Yeah. So, for example, many states exempt food as a necessary expense, but states differ over how they define food that's exempt from sales tax. Let's take your home state of Indiana as an example. So they tax candy, but if an item contains flour, then it's considered food and exempt from sales tax. Totally logical. Right? Some states will tax candy that you buy at the grocery store differently than candy you buy out of a vending machine. Sure. Yes. It's all logical. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's going to get a bit tricky because you know states are not all going to completely conform to the federal definition of taxable items, in which case we'd very likely need our U.S. Treasury to step in. And just a side note here, because we I don't know that we're going to say this explicitly, but that little back and forth, I think, should illustrate that this is not simple. A lot of times mm. people talk about this flat tax as being simple, and it's not. Like if we can't even agree on whether a Milky Way is food or not, taxable mm-hmm. or not, you just are going to compound that up to 90% of the purchases that people make. This is going to get complex real fast. Yes. So absolutely, we would need U.S. Treasury to write regulations to address some of this complexity, to clarify yes. how the tax is imposed. So for example, going back to how the definition of a used good might vary across different types of goods, say from a coffee table to a book to put on that coffee table to a house to put that coffee table in. And U.S. Treasury likely would need to get involved in disputes whenever Mm -hmm. a taxpayer or a business claims that the tax doesn't need to be assessed. Absolutely. So it sounds like we would still need the U.S. Treasury to have some sort of, let's say, special division devoted to the administration and enforcement of a national sales tax. Yes. Yes, indeed. It almost sounds like we'd still need the IRS. Almost, but I'm sure we could totally do it without them. talk about the distributional effects of replacing the income and payroll taxes with the national sales tax, which is just a fancy way of saying who's better off and who's worse off under the change. And these questions are super important because our income tax system for a very long time has prided itself on being progressive, at least in theory. Yes. Which means that tax rates are supposed to increase as income increases. Mm-hmm. In contrast, sales taxes are notoriously regressive, and that's because lower-income households tend to spend a higher proportion of their income buying goods and services that are subject to tax. So they end up paying more sales tax as a percentage of their total income than those with higher incomes. That, by definition, is regressive. Yes, it is. Now, the Fair Tax Act, to be fair, claims to battle this regressivity through what it cleverly calls prebates. So they're rebates that you get ahead of time before you've necessarily even bought something. They're guaranteed monthly payments to each and every household, regardless of income. It just varies depending on the size of the household and whether the heads of household are married. I think this would be a good time for an example. You 
Got it. All right. We're going to take the average U.S. family of four, and we need to impose a whole bunch of assumptions here in our calculations. So we're going to use Bureau of Labor Statistics average U.S. annual household income and expenses. So starting on the income side, the average U.S. annual household income is about $87,000. And under the current tax system, the household would pay about $5,500 in income taxes and almost $7,000 in payroll taxes for 2023 for an effective tax rate of 14 Got it. So for every dollar this household earns, they're going to pay on average about 14 cents in tax. Exactly. And again, we're making some assumptions here. We've got a married set of parents and they're taking the standard deduction and so on and so forth. All right. So under the Fair Tax Act, we don't care how much they make. What we care about is how much they spend. So annual expenses for that same average U.S. household are about $67,000. But some of these expenses, like retirement plan contributions, are going to be exempt from the Fair Tax Act. So, again, using data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics on the types, the breakout of household expenses, and that almost 30% sales tax rate for 2023, we estimate in our calculations that this average family would owe about $17,000 in taxes. And that 17,000 under the Fair Tax Act is more than the 12 to 13,000 of combined income and payroll taxes under our current tax system. So without these quote prebates, and may I just say, I think Congress has too much time on their hands. (laughs) They do, they really do. This average US household is actually worse off under the Fair Tax Act. Exactly, accounting for these prebates is, is really key. So the average family of four would get monthly payments from the federal government totaling about 9,000 annually. They pay about 17,000 in the national sales tax, but get back 9,000 in prebates, meaning their taxes actually go down under the plan. They would only pay about nine cents in taxes for every dollar earned. Okay, so I have to be honest and I gotta give it to the House Republicans here for integrating these prebates because they do make a big difference. They do, but those prebates are really closely tied to the poverty line, which hasn't really moved too much year over year, whereas the enacted sales tax rate could move quite a bit depending on what Congress decides to do. Okay. So the initial rate is set to be about 30%, but that rate could easily increase. At over 40%, for example, the average family goes from paying $0.09 per dollar earned to nearly $0.18. And that's a huge tax increase. Yep. Uh, Not just relative to the tax they would pay in 2023, also relative to our current tax system where they had an effective tax rate of only 14%. That's exactly right. Bill Gale and Kyle Palmerlow estimate the rate has to be 39% to generate enough revenues to fund the government. And that was assuming zero tax avoidance and zero tax evasion. Uh Uh-huh. Which is unrealistic. Yeah. So assuming a reasonable amount of evasion, the rate would have to be, wait for it, over 50%. I love that. Mm -hmm. All right, but we started off by saying we wanted to see if the tax is regressive. And in order to know that, we need to compare an average household to say an above average household. Yep. So if we instead look at a household in the top 20% of income in the US, in 2023, their effective tax rate would drop from 18% under the current system to only 9.2%. That's a larger decrease than what we saw for the average household. It is, yes. So the conclusion there, it is a bigger tax cut for the rich. Yeah. 
But so if I'm if I'm squinting here and I'm trying to, you know, see some good in this, at uh-huh. least the 9.2% that that high income household would be paying is more than the 9% that the average household would be paying. Sure. It's at least higher. Strictly speaking, it is higher. Not much. No. And that would flip in 2024 when the rate rises. Mm. At that point, the average household would be paying 18% while the top 20% of households by income would be paying only about 15%. And as we said once before, that is the very definition of regressive. It is. Those least able to afford it are paying a higher percentage of tax than the richest households in America. All right, but I thought that you said that if you squinted hard enough, this proposed national sales tax could be considered fair, as the name implies. And I got to tell you, I'm squinting never too hard because crow's feet, Mm. but I'm not seeing it. So please explain yourself. Sure. And for the record, I was squinting pretty hard too. And I still am to get to the answer I'm going to give you. So I decided to look up the meaning of the word fair. Uh It seems pretty straightforward, but I, you know, I, I was struggling to see it. So I went to the interwebs and the Googs defines fair as quote, impartial and just without favoritism or discrimination. All right, so first, I accept your definition. Second, I Good. love how to get at Congress's logic, you you took the, what do we call it, seventh grader approach to writing the mm-hmm. book report, and you mm-hmm. started, Merriam-Webster defines fair as mm-hmm. without favoritism or discrimination. Continue. That's it right there, though. That's where it hit me, that word discrimination. Mm. The so-called Fair Tax Act applies the nearly 30% tax on every purchase, by everyone. It doesn't mm-hmm. care if you're married or head a household. It doesn't care if you make $100 or a million dollars, if you have 10 kids or no kids, if you own a house, if you don't own it applies to everyone. There's zero discrimination. All right, so I can see your point. Mm-hmm. But in the world of tax policy, non-discriminatory just sounds to me like another word for regressive. Indeed it does. for the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Fair Tax Act. And as the resident optimist, I'm just going to go right ahead and lead the charge here. And I'll say that I like the idea of thinking big. I like the idea of going back to the drawing board and trying to think of big changes that we could make instead of assuming that our only option is just to tweak what we already have. I totally agree. So when I teach undergraduate tax, I have students create a tax system and I only give you an A if you think big. I don't give you an A if you take our current system and tweak it. So I am on board that sometimes you have to wipe the slate clean and start with a blank page and whatever other metaphors I can throw (laughs) into that sentence. Yep. But then I'm out because if I were to start with a blank page or a clean slate uh, and think how we should construct a super regressive tax, (laughs) frankly, my starting point would probably be a sales tax given what I know about their implementation and effects in the US. All right, so I just wanna make sure that I'm hearing you correctly. Okay. So you're not against a national sales tax or a consumption tax on its face. What you really dislike here is the regressive nature of the design. Yes. All right. So we want to, we just want to get that out there because writing an October, 2022 opinion piece for the New York times, Ezra Klein discusses a proposal from Cornell economist, Robert Frank for a progressive consumption tax, which Mm -hmm. is similar to a sales tax. 
that would actually discourage the wealthy from spending on luxuries and encourage savings. So point here is that there is a way, in theory, to devise a sales tax that would not be regressive. It's not what the Republicans have done, but it's possible. It is. Now, we've talked before about how the wealthy don't need tax incentives to save. Mm -hmm. But Frank makes an interesting argument that spending by the wealthy is not just wasteful, but it's actually harmful because it puts pressure on people in the next income bracket down to spend more money than they, quote, should on things like weddings, homes, cars, and jewelry by changing the reference point of what is normal in an unrealistic way. So I read that op-ed too. And another potentially nice feature of a national sales tax is that you could tie the rate to inflation to either cool or stimulate new spending based on how the economy is performing. Yep. So no, consumption or sales taxes are not bad per se, but this one is not only not progressive, the name is deceptive and that's bad. And I know we're not supposed to dwell on names, especially when it comes to anything produced by Congress. <laughs> no. But the name of this proposal really eats at me. I got to be honest. The Fair Tax Act. It may sound like a small point, but I think it's actually a much bigger issue. It's, it's, it's a symptom of a much bigger problem because it exemplifies that there are very, very stark differences right now in the U.S. and how different groups view fairness. Yeah, so you convinced me that the tax is, quote, fair because it treats all people equally. Mm. But the problem that you're alluding to is that sometimes you actually need to treat people differently to achieve equitable outcomes. Yes. And you and I believe that equitable outcomes are what matter. Yes. What's more, as economist Len Berman points out, a national sales tax actually wouldn't treat everyone the same or fairly. So he notes that shifting from an income tax, which we currently have, to a sales tax would actually be a huge burden for people who are just getting into retirement. Mm. So these individuals thought they were, you know, done paying federal tax. And this tax is essentially changing the rules of the game on them after they spent an entire lifetime as a taxpayer planning for retirement. And changing the rules of the game at the last minute is by definition not fair. Right. So the politicians sponsoring the proposal are using a misleading name, which is bad. And they're also using bad logic, which is ugly. Mm -hmm. There are those who argue that the tax would be less susceptible to lobbying or harder to evade. And to those people, I say, you're dreaming. Mm -hmm. First, with the lobbying, part of any tax is defining the tax base. And you better believe businesses are going to lobby to have their own good or service carved out of the tax base. Just like they do now. Yes. Right. I mean, no change. So second, as we've talked about with wealth taxes on this podcast, uh, other countries have tried national sales taxes and almost all of them have abandoned it mm. in favor of another type of consumption tax, which we call a value added tax or VAT. Why? Well, one reason is that studies have shown that essentially once the national sales tax rate exceeds 12 percent, evasion is super high. Mm. Even in the U.S., in states where the rate is below 10 percent, evasion is really high. You know who could help combat evasion of a national sales tax? Who? A national tax authority. You know, I love it. And so let's think this through. We want to get rid of the IRS, right? I'm mm -hmm. on board. Let's mm -hmm. just, let's just, they're causing too many problems. Let's just get rid of them. I'm tired mm -hmm. of defending them. Okay. So we need an agency that would be in charge of overseeing tax revenue. And tax revenue generated from sources inside our borders, so like internal to our country. Okay, so we need an agency that enforces internal revenue. We could call it the Internal Revenue Agency. You could, but agency has sort of a formal ring to it. So what if we went with service instead? 
Okay, I love that. So we're going to create a new agency called the Internal Revenue Service that's going to administer this national sales tax. Mm -hmm. Dumb. <laughs> okay, one last ugly thing that I want to get in under the wire is let's just be real as our, you know, kind of silly example just illustrates and just be clear that this proposal is at least partially motivated by just wanting to defund the IRS at any cost. It's true. We'd defund them now, but then we'd revive them or, you know, some version of them in the future. So everything old is new again. Mm -hmm. Like Benefer. Yes. Flip phones. Yes. Artificial intelligence taking our jobs. All of it. Emperor Palpatine coming back. We thought he was dead and then he's back. Star Wars. Star Wars. Everything old is new again. I'm sorry. Did you say something about heart palpitations? <laughs> Well, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us for more tax nerdery on future episodes of Taxes for the Masses. <laughs>